21, the book of Luke uh, 21, as we uh, turn there in the Word of God this morning. Uh, There's a story about two men, one uh, named Chris uh, Barbic and another man named Donald Commence. They started a school called Yes Prep. And uh, what the school essentially did is it served the low-income Hispanic families. One day they were sitting in a pub and they were watching an ESPN game. And uh, as they were watching this game, they came up with this idea because uh, the coverage that ESPN was showing on that day uh, covered a, 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 a special occasion known as signing day. The day when high school football f- players would declare which college they'll be playing for. And all of a sudden it struck them. They said, why do we celebrate athletes this way, but not our students? Many of whom will be the first kids in their family to go to college. So they decided to do something about it. They started a tradition called the Senior Signing Day. A day in May when every graduating senior from their school is treated with the same adulation as a football player. Every senior graduating from their school will have a moment on stage where they would announce where they're going to college in the fall. They hold up a pennant or a cap or a t-shirt from their school and everyone in the crowd goes crazy. The first signing day was held in a small theater, but today... The Yes Prep School holds their signing day, their senior signing day in, the, in, in Toyota Center, a giant stadium where the Houston Rockets play. You just picture it this morning. A senior taking the stage in center in front of 10,000 people who cheer for him or her. The author went on to say, that's a defining moment. You know, we celebrate occasions, birthdays, anniversaries. We celebrate occasions, graduations. We celebrate milestones. We acknowledge achievements that we've made. We go out for a meal. We spend on someone because we've we've come of age to a place where, hey, I succeeded in this. We celebrate our achievements and occasions. And I want to talk to you about an occasion this morning that many Christians have neglected. And I want to talk to you about this because I believe this morning we are indeed living in a unique yet predicted timeline in the human history. Signs that reveal to you and I, as we look around, we're living in the last days. Yet I say to you, opportunities surround us that we must seize as believers. We may look around us, we may conclude and say, things are not getting any easier. 
We may look around us, we hear of the pestilence, the wars, the earthquakes, the natural disasters, the tsunamis and so on and so forth, the most recent, the flood. And we conclude that indeed something has shifted, a paradigm shift has taken place in, the, in, our, in our human history. The last days as Christians call it, a season of peril, a season of trouble, a season of persecution, the Bible calls it a season where the love of many will grow cold, famine will be on the rise, pestilences will be on the rise, natural disasters will be on the rise, but the opportunity to testify will also be on the rise. Yet how many Christians neglect testifying today? An occasion to testify. You know, we look at all that's going on around us and we can only accept and conclude. It looks bleak. It looks like we're out of control. We cannot control anything and everything that's going on around us. But the one thing the Bible says you must cease during the season of time is cease the opportunity to testify. Luke chapter 21, verses 13 through 19. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your heart, not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mount and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. That's, that's quite a humorous... Uh, <laughs> By your patience, <laughs> by your patience, possess your soul. Okay, that's not telling that if you lost hair, that means you've lost it. Uh, it doesn't imply that. But what the Bible is giving us insight about is a season in time. A time that will come when the signs that we see before us, the floods recently... The, 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 the pestilence of COVID-19 and so on and so forth. We can talk about the amount of shifts that has taken place just in the recent years. And what God is trying to say is this will serve as an avenue for you to testify. An occasion for testimony. The hearts of people would become receptive, no doubt, to some degree. Some will become more prideful. The Bible speaks of that in the book of Timothy, that in the last days, men will become boasters. They will become proud. They will become headstrong. But at the same time, in contrast to that, the Bible doesn't call us to shy away from sharing our testimony. 
In fact, knowing that to be true, the book of Ezekiel is a powerful reminder that the children of Israel at that time had a face. They said, the Bible said, as hard as a rock, they would never move to the preaching of, his, of their prophet. They would never respond to the preaching. Jeremiah lived in a time such as that. But yet, beloved, that doesn't deny the fact that we carry a responsibility to testify. And to tell people, I'm not talking about witnessing. I'm talking about testifying. And what we are talking about here is our testimony will become a talking point. It will become a conversation starter. In the midst of chaos, there will be a reason to glorify God. Opportunities present themselves in many ways. Our text is simply suggesting that a season in time that we as believers call the last days, however contextually, in the face of turbulence, in the face of trials, in the face of difficulties, our testimony will serve as a ray of hope to those around us. I remember um, Moses sharing with me a powerful story about sitting down in his office. There was a woman who he, he had in his office, one of the staffs, who battled with all kinds of trouble. She was a single mom. She struggled to raise her children. She was going from you know, uh, paycheck to paycheck, struggling from month to month just to meet needs. And he said, Pastor, I sat down with her. I shared my testimony with her and I told her about the love of God. She is a Muslim woman but she said, would you pray for me? All he did was he testified his story. He told his story. But you know what? The reason I share that with you is because before he shared his story to this woman, someone else shared their story to him. It was a man named Tommy. Tommy Yup was the worship leader in the mother church for years. And he came from a background of broken relationships. He came from a background. He lived in the streets of Chowkit. His life was tattered, broken. But Jesus touched him. He shared his testimony. Today he's gone on. Both these men have gone on to be with the Lord. But he shared his testimony. He walked into a church and he said the presence of God arrested him. He knew that God laid a hold of his heart became a powerful testimony for God. And after he became converted by the power of God, years went by where he had a chance to one day sit down with Moses and tell his story to this man. It was a testimony. And I believe, beloved, that that testimony can be a ray of hope to those around us. Opportunities come and go. Believers, you and I must seek opportunities. Seize them. Cherish them and use them. Our wedding, when we got married, 
where you know we invited people over and we had the wedding and God laid it upon my heart of a young man and a lot of a lot of people would have said you're foolish to have done that but I used that as an opportunity to testify what Jesus did in my life it was an occasion for a testimony I remember we went out for outreach last week and I'm standing and talking to a young man right in front of where Papa Rich used to be. Uh, now it's, it's, it's that fruit shop, you know, the one down the street, but now they're over on that side as well. And so this man walks past and so I catch a conversation with him. I said, uh, uh, you know, I just want to let you know we're from a church down the road here. And so he stands and he starts chatting with me. And as he's talking to me, he's telling me, yeah, I've gone to church, I've been to churches, I've been here, you know, and I said, okay, so what, you know, and so all I did, he said, so what are y'all doing here? I said, on Sunday nights, we just come to share our story with people. We just tell people what Jesus did in our lives, that's it. But as I shared with him, he opened up. He began to tell me, you know, I'm battling depression. He's a 22-year-old man. A college boy. He asked me, how do I deal with this? How do I deal with that? How do I overcome this? All I did was I shared my story. I didn't pull out scriptures and told him anything. I just shared my story. And, and listen, I'll talk to you at the end of it and I'll tell you, don't try to Christianize your testimony like Chinese, Vietnamese. Don't try to Christianize it. Don't try to you know, use all this powerful words when you talk to people they don't understand deliverance let me tell you what jesus did delivered me no you lose them learn to go down to where they are and talk to them and explain to them what jesus has done here that i was exactly where i was but he stood and listened for at least 20 minutes took my number down texted me later testimony an opportunity to testify an occasion to testify this season can be a dreading season for everyone we can look around us and say oh how bleak and bad and all but i tell you beloved some will rise and some will fall so let's talk secondly because the testimony we carry must glorify god the prerequisite to the testimony must be God, the center of it. If God is not the center of our testimony, if God is not the center of our story, then all we're doing is we're telling people a good story. A soldier laid bleeding to death from wounds on the battlefield. Seeing a surgeon, he said faintly, Oh doctor, please! The doctor got down, dressed his wounds, gave him all possible relief and ordered him to be conveyed to the hospital. What's your name, doctor? The, surgeon, the, the soldier asked. Oh, no matter, replied the surgeon. But doctor, he said, I want to tell my wife and children who saved my life. How many know that's a powerful depiction of Jesus saving us that we know the ultimate one who has given us 
The mind that we have, the clarity of mind, the blessing, the prosperity that we have, the open doors and the opportunities that we have, the peace of mind and the joy that we have, the the satisfaction and the fulfillment that comes from the living God. We know that that didn't come from this world. It came from a living God whose name is Jesus. And when we share our testimony, we are simply telling people what Jesus has done in your life. You know, I never was able to sleep, but now God has touched me. I have joy. I have peace in my heart. Jesus did a miracle in my body. You are not testifying about what you accomplish or what you achieve, but you are telling people what Jesus has done. A person, I'll make a statement to you, a person who testifies is a person who has a revelation about their salvation. Can I say that again? A person who testifies, and please don't take this to the other tangent where everybody becomes uh, um, a, a target. You walk out the church and, hey, 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 come here, I'll tell you about it. Don't do that. I'll leave you some practical steps at the end of this. You don't go to everybody and tell your story. Some people don't care. And rightfully so. We think that somehow we need to go to everybody and tell them, you know, that's not the case. I'll tell you at the end of this sermon some very practical steps that you need to practice to have access to speak to people. But while we get there, when you have a revelation of your salvation you testify. When you know I am saved because of Jesus. When you know your marriage is saved because of Jesus. When you know that you're blessed financially and you're blessed in areas because of it. That becomes a testimony worth sharing. Because when you have a revelation of your salvation... You testify. Luke chapter 8, 39, the Bible says, Return to your own house. Tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way, proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus has done for him. So here's a man who experienced the power of God in his life. A man who experienced God doing a miracle in his life. And as soon as he was restored, As soon as he experienced God, we know the Bible tells us that this demon-possessed man was instructed by God, go and tell your family, testify. Tell them what I did for you. The purpose, why a testimony? Why? Why is it so vital? Because it bears witness to the many people who no longer believe God changes lives to be reminded that God has never changed His promise. We carry that mandate upon us that when others see the glory of God, we testify so others can see the glory of God. So others know What happened to you can't be humanly possible. There must be a God 
who has done this for you. There must be a God who has really intervened. There must be a God that has done a miracle of healing. There must be. If you're telling me this, I can debate it. I can fight that. I can refute it. But you know that God is real. You see, as believers, we must also, right, face seasons. There must be distinct differences. If you think about it, beloved, of how a believer responds and how an unbeliever responds to the crisis of life, there is a vast difference. You become a living testimony that in the face of hardship, God is always magnified and accentuated. He is seen as the bigger picture. He has reflected as the bigger picture. How is it that you can respond? How is it that you have strength? How is it you have joy? How is it you have peace? Beloved, we don't live in the la-la land. We go through things. We struggle. We have moments where we, we, we are battling my mental thoughts. But we have to admit this morning, there are times where there's a supernatural strength of God in your life. A supernatural peace of God. A joy. Where does the patience come from? Where does the love come from? Where does the perseverance come from? So much so when people look at us, it's a wonder. It's, they are amazed. They are like, how can you respond so patiently? To this and you know what it does it gives you a reason to testify let me tell you what happened to me I was never always like this I was an extremely impatient man I used to fight and argue get my way with everything I used to demand for what I wanted I used to fight for what I wanted but God began to break me. God began to teach me that relationships were getting damaged in the midst of all this. And I went to God and God helped me. He brought peace in my heart. He brought patience in my heart. He gave me joy. He gave me the ability to understand. It doesn't matter what people say. It's what God says that matters. And that changed me. That's my testimony. Because I know who I was. I know the type, the type of man I was. I know the type of argumentative person that I used to be. But I tell you, beloved, there's a God who changes you. And that's why when you testify... You're telling someone else there's hope for them. Our text reveals the element of trust that must be present. God will guide us when we choose to be a faithful witness. In Luke chapter 12, verses 12, the Bible tells us that... Oh, wait. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. A confidence that births in us, a relationship with the Holy Spirit will lead us to a place where we begin to share our stories and our testimony. The book of Acts is exemplary to this. 
There are those who will try to disqualify Jesus like we see in, this, in the text. The Bible says they will mock you. They will criticize you. They will say things about your faith. They will condemn you. They will say that God is not real. He doesn't exist. And they will have all kinds of ways to condemn and come against you. But declare to in our text, beloved, it seems that the emphasis is placed on the testimony because it seems that the testimony becomes the grounding force to a Christian's life. A few weeks ago, I think uh, someone sent me a video and it was a video of a man from a neighboring country. And um, he's a politician, this man. He's a politician and uh, he was beginning to belligerently belittle Christianity. He was simply saying that we are not going to allow Christians to rule in our country. Christians are hypocrites. I'm, you know, uh, paraphrasing for, your, for, for the sake of simplicity. Christians don't keep up with what they say they are, and so on and so forth. And so this man sent me the text. He says, Pastor, what do you think about this? I said, bro, I kind of agree with him. I'll tell you why. Because look at America. A so-called nation founded on the principle of God and behaving like heathens. I don't blame this guy for saying that. There are a bunch of hypocrite Christians around. Amen. I, 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 that's the truth. There are, there are things that go on that are so questionable about Christians that unbelievers don't even want to become a Christian. And I realized, as I told this man that, I realized, he said, but pastor, what are your thoughts regarding what he said? He said, I, I told him, I said, bro, I can tell you one thing. He can belittle the name of Jesus all he wants. He can speak all he wants about how evil, you know, the God of the Christians are. And it's just another way of life. And he can deduce it to what he wants to deduce it to. Call it what he wants to call it. But I told him I may not be able to argue with his points. But I'll tell you one thing. I experienced a life-changing encounter. So they may not believe it. But you cannot convince me otherwise that Jesus is not real. Because I've experienced Him. You see how important a testimony really is? Because sometimes you may not have all the knowledge. You may not have all the insight. You may not have all the information. You may not have all the context to tell someone and debate with them. No, no, no. Let me tell you from Scripture this or from Scripture that. Let me pull out to you what this author says and what the... No, you don't have to. Your testimony is sufficient enough to say that Jesus is real. If Jesus can change me, I don't know about your test, but if Jesus could change a 13-year-old lying, pornography-bound youngster, then Jesus can change anyone. You can tell me, oh, he's not real. Then how did my life change? My life is no longer the same. Because Jesus is real. 
You see, our testimony this morning doesn't only impact the world around us, but it serves as a reminder to solidify our conviction about God. So every time you open your mouth to testify, every time you vocalize, every time you verbalize your belief, every time you share with someone what Jesus has done to you and for you, the more you testify, the more solid of a believer you become. Because you're reminding yourself every time, Jesus is real. Years ago, I was trying to remember, recall the story as I bring this down to a close. I remember being completely backslidden, walked away from church, left God, I mean backslidden to the core. This was, I think, ancient because I'm still, I'm, I'm young, you know. <laughs> I don't want to give it away unless <laughs> I tell you, yeah, you know. No, but okay, never mind. No, don't, don't go there. Just, yeah, let's just assume it was a long time. <laughs> just a few years. <laughs> anyway, I, I remember, you know, uh, 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 making very bad decisions. I'm ashamed of it. And, and, and I remember getting a job in a bookstore. I'm not saved. I backslid. I'm, I'm, I'm sinning. I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. And I, I began to get a job in a bookstore. And of all world, this was a Christian bookstore. And so I remember working in the bookstore and my life was not, the, not who I know it was. I was doing things that I shouldn't be doing. But at the same time, I would have conversations with people. I had a colleague by the name of Mark. He's not my dad. <laughs> I had a colleague by the name of Mark. He's, uh, he got saved and he's serving today in a church. But one of the things that happened is he would always tell me, we be very close friends. He would share with him about what Jesus has done in my life. But I was no longer living that life. But that testimony was there. And eventually, I had to come to agreement that God is real. That, that I'm playing a foolish game with God. Because I experienced God. I encountered God. I saw what God could do in my life. I know the type of man I was. I know who I was before. And what Jesus has done in me. And so I'm testifying to Mark. And not only am I testifying to him. You have people who come into the store. And then they're buying books. And as they're going, so brother, what's your testimony? And then you're sharing your testimony with them. Like as though you're living it, but you're completely gone from what Jesus has done. But you know what happened? I believe because of the testifying, it constantly reminded me of who God was. And eventually it brought me back. That's what I think the Bible means that in the last days, there will be an occasion for testimony. That means you will be given an opportunity to save your soul by testifying. That by your testimony, you are reminded, you vocalize and you remind, Jesus has done this to me. Why am I not living like that anymore? And that testimony, you testifying, the verb testify, 
saves you. That's why he says, do it when times are bad. Find an occasion, find an opportunity to testify. Luke, uh, sorry, John chapter 9, 25, beloved. The Bible says he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Hey, I don't know how to fight with you. But what I know is my life has changed. I can't debate with you. You can be the Pharisee, you can be the scribe, you can argue with me, you can debate with me. Oh, how can he heal on the Sunday? How can he heal on the Sabbath? How he can do this? I, I may not be able to debate with you and argue with you. I, I'm just putting myself in the position of a blind man right here. He says, I don't know. I don't know all the details, but I know one thing. My life is changed. That must be the living testimony that we have access to share and testify about. It's hard to deceive a convinced person that even when family betray them, as the Bible says, when others begin to threaten them, they are hated because they love Jesus. They still can stand because they know that deep down on the inside, Jesus is real. It's becoming less and less important today to the Christian to testify, share their God-given story. Yet as you read this passage, I challenge you to read it again and again. You are reminded of how important and crucial testifying really is. The enemy aims to hinder our effectiveness for God. And that is why he employs strategies to hinder, to obstruct, to make us bad testimonies, to silence us from testifying. That leaves us then with a question, when was the last we testified to someone? Have we testified to the people that are around us? You can go home and read Acts 16. I'm not going to belabor you. Acts 16, 29 to 34. Here's Paul and Silas with the jailer. And the Bible says that the jailer began to come to them and say, Sir, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus. Every occasion, every opportunity became an occasion to testify. What opportunity this morning are you turning into an occasion to testify? So let's close then. Because testifying saves lives, including ours. Our text emphasizes on the word testimony. An occasion for testimony. It seems to me when I read this, that your testimony and my testimony will become the saving grace in the last days. Maybe because it serves as a reminder when we are tempted to leave the faith or to walk away from it, we are reminded 
of the memorial stones that God has given unto us, the miracles God has done, the peace that God has done. You see, sometimes we look for the mega miracles when we miss the minor, minute, small and little day-to-day miracles. We don't realize what God has done, but in everything, beloved, we know God is involved because He's the testimony serves as a reminder that God's grace is there. This leaves us then, if testifying can genuinely save my life in the last days, that if me telling someone my experience with God can be so vital in the last days that He can save me, then don't you think we should all learn to do it? Now, obviously, it's important that you live as a testimony. That you are a good testimony. You are a good example. Right? That you are leading a godly life, a Christ-like life. That should obviously be the mandatory uh, uh, faucet. But more than that, beloved, it is an element that must exist in us. That Jesus seems to imply that in our testimony, boldness will be inculcated. He says when you stand before them, you will not be afraid to tell them what I've done. It seems that when you are willing to participate in this faucet of testifying, God says, I will remove that element of fear And I will give you the words through the Holy Spirit. I will guide you and I will lead you. And I will teach you what to say. Testifying is a key to victory in the last days. I say that again. Testifying is a key to victory in the last days. You must develop this element in your life. I believe if you are going to thrive, survive, just as the Bible says, patience possesses your soul, you're going to have to keep testifying. As a witness, there are check and balances. It reminds you of who you are and who you were, in fact, when you testify. It reminds you every time you open your mouth of who God is. It positions you as a spectacle for the world to see you are demanded that you are demanded to lead a life that is Christ-like. Revelations chapter 12, verses 11, and I close here. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Think with me. They overcame. Two things only Jesus says here. They overcame. That means, can you see the cruciality of being a testifying Christian. The blood and testimony. That it must be my focus in life to find opportunities. Don't look for targets. Oh, I, 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 I just jabbed it down their throat. Don't do that. You become a mockery. Don't jab story. Don't jab down the throat of someone 
when they don't want to know about you. Don't do that. The first thing you have to learn to do, and I'll leave you with this practical stuff and I'm done, is to humble yourself and listen to people. Can I tell you, you earn the right to speak to someone by how well you listen to them. If you, don't, if you don't listen every time you want to tell them, let me tell you, let me advise you, let me, let me advise you something. Let me advise, let me tell you what you need. You need Jesus. They won't listen. They might come to please you. They might show up in church because, oh, the brother will call me, otherwise I, I better... Do. Give people the right to choose. Don't take the free will away from them. Learn to humble yourself and listen. When you listen to their story, you know, this is the sad part, right? We, we listen to their story, and after we've listened to their story, we tell them something that is so irrelevant. So this poor brother or this poor sister is telling you, you know, my life is in a mess. I, I lost my marriage. And yeah. yeah, let me tell you, I was 13 when I gave my life to Jesus. I cussed and sweared. I watched what has that got to do with my life? Wisdom. Wisdom. They don't need to know your whole story. They just need to know how you can relate to them in that period in time. I'm talking to this man. I'll share with you. I'm talking to this man last week. And as I'm talking to him, I'm beginning to share with him. I'm using simple words to just explain what Jesus has done in my life. Yes, bro, you know what? And, and I'm using casual words. I'm conversing with him in casual tones. And I'm saying, this is exactly what happened to me. I was a young man. I had everything I ever wanted in life. My parents gave me a house. I had a place, you know, in the, a, a nice room. I had a college. I was able to... To do any, my parents gave me every, but you know what? Something deep down inside was still empty. And I thought I can fix it this way, I can fix it. I look for friends. I was mingling with all my friends. I learned to cuss and swear from them. I learned to do things the way they and so this guy was in, engaged. But I don't talk that way to everybody. You're finding relevance in the story. If you talk to someone older, if you talk to someone who's more aged and senior and experienced, you can't be telling them things that doesn't make sense. So what? So what? Boy, you've not experienced what I've You've got to have the wisdom to relate. So number one, humble and listen. Number two, make relevance to the connection. Don't just simply say, and, and another thing, another thing to, to, to add to that, make relevance to the connection doesn't mean you go up to that person just to make yourself sound, yeah, 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 I was like that. You exaggerate your testimony. You lie to them. Yeah, I was also like that. I, you know, yeah, I was going to commit suicide. Yeah, you know what? I, I took the ring, man. I fit, and, and you exaggerate it. Guys like, whoa. Yeah, and then I, I took the gun. I was going to show Yeah, I had a gun. What gun you had? You had a Glock. Huh? I had an AK-47. <laughs> you, know, you, you exaggerate it. Just to make yourself relevant. Don't do that. That's, that's, that's a lie. Repent of that. I have to be careful because when you're preaching, sometimes you're tempted to exaggerate. 
You have to be cautious. Make it relevant. Don't exaggerate. But tell your story as it is. Number three, keep it simple. As I told you, don't Christianize the words. Righteousness. What the guy knows about righteousness? Yeah, let me tell you, the blood of Jesus is righteous. He's a sinner. What does he know about righteousness? Yeah, I was delivered. Don't use big words. Just say, I was bound, I was lost, I had things in my life, I was empty. Jesus changed me. Are you with me? See, that's vital. So how does this happen? When you're sitting and talking to your colleague in the office, ask them for permission. Can I share a story with you? Don't go to them and, you know, hey, let me tell you my testimony. Who are you to earn the right to tell them your testimony? Don't do that. Don't do that. When the door opens, you tell them. Don't look at everyone as a target. That's the problem today, right? You have the, the, the Christians who are on the other tangent. Everybody is a target. Zoop. I need to save them and bring them to church. No. Don't make people a target. They are not football players where they can be sold and bought and transferred and you know, purchased with, a, with money. No. They are souls. Learn to know them. Earn the right to talk to them. And when you have access, tell them, bro, I just want to tell you, there were times in my own life where I was so lost, I didn't know what to do. And, and the only thing I could go to was I opened the Bible and I looked for answers. And it seemed that the Bible had the answers for all the questions I had. And maybe it is true for you. You see the difference? They open up to you. They respond to you. They listen to you. And sometimes they don't. But ultimately, as we close, keep it simple. Pray for boldness and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. But don't get pressured. Every time I have to find one person to tell. Every, today I didn't tell. Uh, uh, listen, this is a lifestyle. There are times I get into a grab. I don't testify to the guy because there are times I just don't feel. I talk to him about other things. When I was in Langkawi, we took some grab taxis around. I talked to him about Langkawi. I talked to him about business. I talked to him about different things. Oh, you're a pastor. You must tell him about Jesus. For crying out loud, the guy is not open. You want me to offend him and he sent me to one jungle, is it? <laughs> Have some wisdom. Are you with me? But at the same time, ask God for boldness. Ask God for openness. God, when should I speak? When should I say something? Guide me to share my story. You don't need to know the whole Bible. You have a story. Tell someone that story. I close with this. I was reading a book um, not long ago, and in this book there was an interesting faucet that it brought up, and it spoke about defining moments. And there's a hotel in California or Los Angeles known as the Magic Castle Hotel. 
Now, you go up, you search on it, and you do your own review. But Magic Castle Hotel, for the longest period of time, of time it has been number two of the highest recommended hotel in Los Angeles. Number two. Who's number one? Four Seasons. Four Seasons is a top-notch hotel, right? It's a five-star hotel. But Magic Castle is only a three-star hotel. Okay? If you look at it from the outside, it's painted yellow, bright yellow. It looks like a hostel. But how can a hotel that looks like a hostel with a three-star rating really get the second position in all the other beating Hilton, beating Four Seasons, beat, I mean, Four Seasons was on the top, but beating all the other chain of how was that possible? And the conclusion is, if you walked into this hotel, it is a hotel that looks after its guest. The one thing that it has in the hotel, that I mean, just the one thing, is it has a red phone at the swimming pool. Okay? So anybody who's swimming in that hotel can go take the, the red phone, pick the red phone up. And the moment they pick the red phone up, a butler would attend to it and send them popsicles, ice cream. In a gloves, in a tuxedo, in a silver tray, and bring popsicles to them. And for that reason, the testimonials, the customer review for this hotel skyrocketed and even though it's a three-star hotel you look at the beds you look at the room it's nothing to shout about but it is a hotel that customers would keep going back to guests will keep because the reviews and the testimonials defining moments can i tell you that's the type of testimony you must have as a christian that when they look at your life the testimony you carry can draw people nearer to Jesus. That's why TripAdvisor and all of these portals, customer review portals, are minting money today. Because customers, at one time it was 50%, 60% of people who read reviews before they go. Today, the statistics as of today is 92% of customers read a review before they go to a restaurant and they go to a hotel. And so the power of your testimony can draw people to Jesus. What kind of testimony do you hold? What kind of testimony are you sharing with people? But it could be their testimony, it is the testimony that could save your life. Testifying is the key to victory. I want you to bow your heads with me.